Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thank you for listening this Monday, April 19th, 2021. Topics on today's episode include the longevity of mortgage companies, my interview with the real Rob Chrisman, and last week's large jump in housing starts and building permits. This week's podcast is sponsored by Churchill Mortgage, the mortgage that gives you more. Whether you're looking to buy a home right now, or if it's part of your future, Churchill has you covered with a personalized home buying team on your side. And if you're looking to refinance, it's crucial that the process is as easy as possible without being completely automated and impersonal. The most important part of understanding the mortgage process is finding a lender who understands you and your home loan goals, like saving time and money. Churchill will provide you with clarity and peace of mind every step of the way. As lenders are wondering who will be the next merger or acquisition announcement, news of the Sterling Brothers and Webster Financial came out this morning, do you think your company will last forever? Someone who had a lot of time on their hands put together a map of blockbuster stores over time. Spoiler alert, the last blockbuster is alive and well in Bend, Oregon. Baker's Chocolate has been around since 1765, King Arthur Flower since 1790, and Jim Beam since 1795. People have to eat and drink, right? But they don't necessarily have to do their banking at places like SunTrust, ING Direct, Nat City, WAMU, or Wachovia. There are approximately 5,000 FDIC-insured institutions. And in the first three quarters of 2020, total FDIC-insured U.S. bank deposits increased by nearly $2.6 trillion, just about 18%. It isn't hard to make the quantum leap in logic to all cash buyers bidding for homes. For the latest on employment, broker and lender products and services, Virtual and in-person events to finish off April and start May? Go to robchrisman.com. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Repeat after me. Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily News and Podcast. That's What is the thing they do? It's like I solemnly swear and then someone messes it up. You know, I have... I- I state your name. I state yeah, your name. I state your name there. That's what that sounded like. I gave you a sentence and it was, you repeated it incorrectly. Oh, say it again. No, I like, I like what we have there. Given your emails recently, what are lenders worried about? You know, I don't know if, if worry is quite the right word. I would say concerned. They, they say that most things people worry about don't happen anyway. So uh, I would say that lenders are most concerned right now with, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's footprint reductions, you know, the FHFA and so forth have, have made it clear that uh, under the guise of risk management or uh, capital increase, they're going to change the way Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac do business in terms of the product they buy, the amount that they buy, how lenders sell the product and so forth. And I think that lenders are are concerned about how they're going to handle those changes. You know, they've been watching kind of the, the rise of the non-QM sector. I know a lot, a lot of non-QM investors have stepped in very quickly to say that they will buy non-owner-occupied loans and second homes. Uh, and so lenders are shifting to that. They are shifting to uh, executing sales through mortgage-backed securities rather than to the cash window. Uh, and they're just adapting. So I think that they're concerned with that. They're watching the developments there, uh, which generally tend to fly in the face of what the Biden administration has talked about doing, which is making housing more affordable. 
uh, and instituting programs to help borrowers. But, you know, you can argue that that second homes and, and rental properties aren't necessarily in the agency's charter. But mostly what are the, the emails that I've been receiving is, you know, what's going to happen next and how are we going to adapt and, and who's buying what. So that's what I'm hearing. The thing that I'm hearing is that we finally entered the period of margin compression and it's going to be tough out there for secondary marketing folks this year. How are lenders reacting to the expectations of lower volumes and lower margins? No one is uh, no one is sitting around wringing their hands. I'll tell you that the uh, lenders that I've talked to, the CEOs and owners, they are focused on on moving forward. They are focused on educating their staff in terms of the latest programs, products, different ways of doing business, different sales techniques. In fact, today I have uh, a lot of upcoming events where people can get on webinars. A lot of them for free. And so they are working on educating their staff. Uh, they are saying, you know, let's continue with refis because there are millions of, of borrowers out there who can still gain from a refinance, but some are shifting their vision to purchase business. They are interviewing, or I should say when they are interviewing loan officers, they are stressing, you know, what's your purchase business like? You know, what kind of referral system do you have? So they're continuing at the refis. They don't want to leave those alone, but they're shifting their gaze a little bit, shifting their sights to the purchase business. And lastly, I think they're analyzing their product lineup. What kind of product lineup do we have where uh, we can most help our borrowers? And whether that's uh, rolling out some HELOC products, whether that's rolling out second mortgages, whether that's instituting some new down payment assistance programs for first-time homebuyers, you know, that's up to the management. But they're but certainly no one is sitting still. I think they realize that uh, uh, 2020 could arguably be the best year ever for lenders, and, but they're not sitting still. They're saying, okay, that was a great year, but now what are we going to do? What are we going to do for an encore? Let's, uh, let's educate our staff. Let's roll out some new products and let's keep moving forward. So one of the things you talk about in the commentary today is in-person events returning. You think you've gotten rustier as a speaker, not standing on a podium in front of a live audience versus you sitting at home with Myrtle doing Zoom calls? I think so, a little bit. You have to you know, remember to say, uh, not so often, or mm, not so often. But I think it'll be good. I think people yearn to have in-person events where they can sit in a conference room or conference hall and see somebody they know across the way and, and go just say, how's it going? You know, a lot of the a lot of the spontaneity, a lot of the just the chit chat uh, vanishes when you have a scheduled Zoom call and everyone's staring at you and you have an agenda and so forth. The, uh, the banter tends to disappear. And I think a lot of people gain information from just chatting with people in the hallway or in a conference room, um, in an exhibition hall, whatever it might be. You know, it's an in-person business. And I think Zoom and WebEx and <clears throat> go-to meetings have certainly helped bridge the gap, but I think people are anxious to return to seeing people that they know and meeting new people face-to-face and, and just that, that human interaction. Well, little did you even know you started that response with, you know, uh, you know, but I was nice enough to edit that out. A lot of the time we don't realize what sort of speaking patterns we have. So this podcast has been good for 
for me to be able to hear my own speaking patterns and try and correct some of those common errors. It's important. It's important when you start, it's interesting when you start working on speech and patterns and, and, and public speaking, you know, hearing yourself, seeing yourself, thinking about what you're doing, and then you tend to pick it up in what other people are doing. It's a good learning experience. Agreed. Well, thanks for coming on this morning and making the time. Anytime. How's tomorrow? (laughs) There are some weeks that are full of scheduled news and some that have very little. This is one of the latter, which means that even more focus will be put on the headline pandemic news and on any surprises along the way. Before we get to that, let's quickly revisit last week. The latest economic data from March continues to point towards a rapidly improving U.S. economy following the deep freeze in February that affected a significant portion of the country. Despite increasing conditions over surging coronavirus cases globally and in a few states, there is little expectation that states will once again tighten business restrictions. Consumers armed with fresh stimulus, robust savings, and pent-up demand were out in full force in March as retail sales jumped nearly 10% following a decline of 2.7% in February. Many economists expect robust consumer spending to continue into the second quarter. As consumers increase their spending, many expect hiring to follow. Initial jobless claims fell to a pandemic low of 576,000 for the week ending April 10th. Housing starts jumped almost 20% as construction was able to restart following February's inclement weather, with single-family starts gaining over 15%. Mortgage purchase applications declined for the week ending April 9th, but were up 42% over the prior 12 months as the 30-year fixed rate eased to 3.25%. Digging into the bond market for last week, which determines mortgage rates, U.S. Treasury yields pulled back slightly as they continued to seesaw following Thursday's rally to their lowest levels in over a month. Building permits increased nearly 3% to 1.77 million units, reflecting a quick snapback from the weather-induced downturn in February, and indicating strong industry conditions from demand for new homes. Not that it is a market-moving number, but the preliminary reading for the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index for August registered below expectations though it did increase from March to post its highest reading in a year due to improving attitudes on current conditions of job gains, rising vaccination rates, low interest rates, and fiscal stimulus. Year-ahead inflation expectations of 3.7% are the highest they have been in nearly a decade, though over the next five years that figure is expected to be lower at 2.7%. Now, back to this week, which has little on the docket. The usual third week of the month lull does bring some housing-related releases, as well as leading indicators. With the potential largest market movement surrounding the domestic and international market PMI flashes for April, no Fed speakers are currently scheduled ahead of next week's FOMC meeting on April 27th and 28th, though the European Central Bank will be out with its latest decision on Thursday morning. Today's calendar, and tomorrow's as well, is absent of any data outside of the New York Fed desk providing the smallest daily support on the current schedule at $4.63 billion of MBS across two operations. Since the restart of asset purchases on March 16th last year, the Fed has purchased $1.9 trillion of MBS. We start the week with agency MBS prices unchanged from Friday and the 10-year yielding 1.57%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. The governor from California is jogging with his dog along a nature trail. A coyote jumps out and attacks the governor's dog. The governor starts to intervene, but then reflects upon the movie Bambi and realizes that he should stop because the coyote is only doing what is natural. He calls animal control. Animal control captures the coyote and bills the state $200 for testing it for diseases and $500 for relocating it. The running trail gets shut down for six months while the California Fish and Game Department conducts a $100,000 survey to make sure the area is now free of dangerous animals, 
The governor spends 50000 in state funds implementing a coyote awareness program. The legislature spends $2 million to study how to better treat rabies and how to permanently eradicate the disease throughout the world. The governor's security agent is fired for not stopping the attack. The state spends $150,000 to hire and train a new agent with additional special training. People for the ethical treatment of animals protest the coyote's relocation and files a $5 million suit against the state. Whereas, the governor of Texas is jogging with his dog along a nature trail. The coyote jumps out and tries to attack him and his dog. The governor shoots the coyote with his state-issued pistol and keeps jogging. The governor spent 50 cents on a 380 caliber hollow-point cartridge, and buzzards eat the dead coyote. And that, my friends, is why California is broke and Texas is not. <laughs> Thanks again to this week's podcast sponsor, Churchill Mortgage. From buying your first home to refinancing into a lower interest rate, a mortgage can be a powerful resource. Knowing your goals for your mortgage will help you streamline the process and can clarify which loan options and programs are best for you. Visit churchillmortgage.com to learn more. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.